the scenes with Smashville's favorite team. This is the Press Official Podcast with Darren McFarland and Kara Hammer. Now on 102.5 and 106.3 The Game and NashvillePredators.com. It is time for another Predators Official Podcast, the P.O.P. Back for another episode. Darren McFarland and Kara Hammer, and I'm sure... Kara is rolling her eyes going, and everybody listening going, here he goes. Kara, we're back. Another episode. We got invited back. I know. I do it every time. But I'm excited because we are back for another episode, and we've got a killer episode coming again. Uh, Scott Hamilton is going to join us here soon. So we are going to talk to an Olympic gold medalist and obviously a huge Preds fan, a season ticket holder, and learn to skate. I mean, you you know, there's tons of things to talk about, and he's got, oh, by the way, a huge event. Sunday night at Bridgestone Arena. So that is going to be a fun conversation with Scott. I was curious if Scott was ever on an episode of The Simpsons because I feel like, you know, we just got done talking with Stu last week because he's going to be a character. Do you think Scott Hamilton was on The Simpsons? No, he was on, uh, he did, and he did uh, voiceover work uh, on King of the Hill. So he has done voice voiceover work just like Stu. So... He's done. I think it was for. I think it was King of the Hill. I'm pretty sure. And then well, we know he's ever, been in a movie. There's never like an animated podcast, Darren. There's still hope for us. We could be like, <laughs> you know, we'll be the characters if they ever need animated podcasters on one of these shows. We will. We're just going to put it out there. We will say yes. We'll do it. We will <laughs> absolutely free. do Don't it. Don't even have to pay us. Yeah, that's right. Well, maybe we shouldn't say that out loud, but it's kind of true. <laughs> it is true because it would be really cool. Uh, you know, right now. Uh, you know what else is cool is the Predators have strung together two straight wins, 2-1. It hasn't been easy, but you know what? Four points is four points in two games. They're making the most of this homestand. We talked about it on the last uh, POP. They spent so much time on the road, and now they're going to get to spend so much time the rest of the month at home. They only have one road game left. It'll be just an up and back um, from Detroit, and that's it. And the rest of the time is going to be – so you know – with that being said, eight of nine at home, you got to make hay at home, right? You got to collect a lot of points to close out this month. Well, and they're doing such a good job. I think the, the number one thing that stands out to me in these back-to-back games, Darren, has been the defense and the penalty kill. Yep. I mean, it's been perfect since coming home. Both games, having a double minor, able to kill it off at big moments of the game. It, it feels like they're finally starting to find some rhythm. Yeah, I thought the – what did you think of the Niederreiter? I know you talked – I think Niederreiter on Tuesday. It was a first period intermission. I'm not sure. It's uh, all running together. Duchesne, Johansson, Niederreiter line. I thought they were really good. Well, I, I think that Coach Hines, he had challenged them. You know, when he put the lines out, he, he had listed them as the third line. And these are the top performers of the team. So you need these guys to step up. So that's the coach's way of saying, hey, on paper, I'm writing you down as the third line. And I think that was kind of a gut check moment for those players. And they were able to step up, obviously, uh, Niederreiter with, with the big goal. And that was Matt Duchesne's 700th career point. He got yep. the assist on it. And then to turn around and get the power play goal. The power play had been struggling. You know, they had the opportunity in the first, and I, I talked with Roman Yossi in game, and he goes, yeah, you know, we got to get it going. And uh, Matt Shane found a way to get the job done with the man advantage. Did I make up that you talked to – did I make that up that you talked to Nino, or was my memory? No, you were right. right. You okay. were right. Uh, you didn't say anything. You know, I'll, so I'll I was like, oh, no. I forget. <laughs> well, you didn't say anything. I was like, I think I just made that up. I do, I'm pretty sure I remember Kara talking to Nino. <laughs> Well, you know, and, and Darren, I'll say this, when when they win and we do post-game, it's a first-star interview, and then it's a player interview, and then I have a coach interview. So there's a lot of interviews happening, and sometimes you got to go back. Okay, well, who did I have in the first? Yeah. What do you think of the second period intermissions? Because you do speak with a coach. I, I did those for nine seasons, talking to a player, second period intermission. So I, I understand the dynamics. I know what it's like when things are going well. I know what it's like when things aren't going well. So what is that yeah. like for you? You know, I enjoy the second uh, intermission interview. Last year, we used to have Dan Hynote, which he's a gym in himself. But now, obviously, we get him on the bench because we felt that he could add more value in game. 
on the bench during the during the second period. So it switched up again, and now we're back to having Dan Lambert. But he's such a special teams guy that at that point in the game, if things have gone on between the power play or the penalty kill, that's the guy you want to talk to at that moment. So it, it's different because you would have a player. So I don't really know what it was like to have a player during the second uh, second intermission interview, but but I think I would rather have a coach at that moment in time. Yes, because um, when things aren't going well, I think it's a little bit easier then. Because I, you know, and there's been a lot of players that that handle it great, and there's others that you know it's tough because they don't want to talk. They're mad, <laughs> and it's like, mm-hmm. well, we got to get through this, man. Just come on, we we can do this together. <laughs> Um, I I did want to ask you about the way this team, because last night Hal Gill and I were hosting the Players Show at Brewhouse 100, and we had Ellie Tolvanen and Kevin Lankinen. And we were just talking about the way this team was playing, and, of course, those are two Finnish guys. And mm-hmm. this cool little story here on this homestand has been the call-up of Parsonen and him playing. By the way, first shot, first NHL goal. I mean, does it get any cooler than that? And oh, by the way, Kara, playing big minutes. And I, I, you know, Hal and I asked him about, you know, what they think of Parsonen, big bodied kid, just 21 years old. But it's very clear that this coaching staff and the organization really like him because we were talking about him in camp. Yeah. Well, I think it, it speaks volumes, Darren, that in, in his first NHL game, in his debut, with a minute left in the game after killing off the double minor. He was on the ice. Yes, That speaks volume to who he is. I know Coach Hines had called him a horse going into that game. Phil Forsberg was my skate-up interview that night, and I had asked him about Yusuf Parsonen and getting the start and playing on Forsberg's line, and he said he's just one of those centermen that has that finish mentality. And I thought that was interesting that he he said it. It came down to being just a finish centerman and, and knows what to do out there. Interesting. Um, Kevin Lankinen has done a good job in the backup role. UC Saros, not the start. We've talked about this in, in previous episodes. Not the start he's been looking forward to the season. I think a lot of it, though, is not on him, the play in front. I think both though, both of those have looked good here of late. The play in front, I think, has been a lot better. And I think, obviously, these last two games, UC Saros had to work, right? He had to work to finish that thing off both games, uh, and he did so. And he, he really, the last two games, has looked like the UC Saros we've seen over the years. Yeah, 33 saves last night. I feel like he looks confident. You yeah. know, Coach Hines said afterwards, yeah, it looks like he's back on his game. He, he looks confident out there. And, you know, I, I always go back there, and I feel like sometimes when guys come off of injur- injury, it, it, it might just take them a minute. Maybe this is me just assuming, but I feel like, when you have an injury and you come back, it might, it might take you a minute to get settled, and now he's he's feeling settled. Yeah, you're right, because uh, a lot of it's psychological. Anybody who's ever had an injury, right, you may be past the rehab. You may be past it, but in this case, trying to get out there and play at that level, uh, you just never know, right? Like the things in the back of your mind, psychologically, it can, mm-hmm. it can play tricks on you. Um, and so you're right, it may be – that was going on. Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. But if it was, hopefully he's he's gotten past that because he's really looked sharp the last two games. You also brought up special teams, the penalty kill. That's been good. They're not staying out of the box, so they continue to have to kill off penalties. A big night against Minnesota. And anytime you can get power play goals, you know that can only help. I'm curious, Darren, your thoughts on the Tanner Janelle, Ryan Reeves. What, what was going through your mind when you saw the tilt? Well, I'll tell you what we should have done is we should play Ellie Tolvanen's response last night to that because to hear a player, Kara, because all of us, I think, had the same reaction of, oh, no. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> what is about to happen here? Like, right, we all had that same feeling. But to have a player say that when we asked – we asked those guys what they thought because, you know, we all know Reeves has been around the block. We know he may be viewed as the guy, right, in the league. Like, you yeah. don't want to tangle with that guy. And the look, it was radio last night on the player show. 
But the look that we got to see and the people that were in attendance, Ellie Tolvanen was basically doing the same thing all of us were doing, like going, oh, no, is he, oh, oh, this is really going to happen? <laughs> so to have like, you know, a player say that, that really lends the credence, right, you know, to the magnitude of that fight. I just feel like when it was going down, I was thinking Tanner Janot has no fear. <laughs> well, that was really clear. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Oh, by the way, Cole Smith, uh, that was no easy fight either. And that obviously didn't go his way. But I asked the guys, what does that mean that Cole Smith was willing to tangle with Middleton? You know, because that's a big boy. You know, he's not a guy you want to mess with either. And Cole Smith took his lumps, but hey, he was more than willing to jump in there and do that. And uh, Ellie and, and Kevin talked about how much it meant, you know, what that means in the room to have guys like that out on the ice fighting for each other. Yeah, I, fe- I feel like, you know, High Note said it best during the game. Those guys are out there and they're just working their butts off. And that's what's happening in all areas with this team right now. What do you, are you seeing anything different? I mean, what what do you think is is working right now? Anything stand out to you other than what we've already talked about? I think you know it's kind of been the same theme as we saw last season, where young guys come in and they bring a little bit of energy and they add a, a add a spark to the team. Obviously, Parson in. I think that Granlin moving over to the wing yeah. looks great. Almost like he's he's taken a little. Um, I don't know, not stress, but it's like he could just, he just looks a little more comfortable. He's moving over. He can just play without having to think about centering the line. So I think that's been a huge step. I also feel like Ellie Tolvanen has been shooting the puck, which has been positive for him and in, in generating some chances. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, Saturday night, it'll be the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, a team that's gone to the Stanley Cup Finals three years in a row. Ryan McDonough's former team, Speaking of getting comfortable, it seems to me that he's getting comfortable with the system and the room. He looks he looks a lot more comfortable out on the ice. Yeah, I I feel that he does, and I think he's he was that veteran player that they needed, and he's showing that now. And um, defense has just been so good lately. It's I feel like that's the reason they're winning these games. Yeah, we're gonna have fun. We're gonna have fun because Scott Hamilton is in the on deck circle. He's ready to, he's ready to talk hockey, skating, all kinds of stuff with us. So, that's gonna be fun. You ready to talk to Scott next? I am. You know, I've always been a big Scott Hamilton fan, and how can you not be? Right? If you spend any time around him, how can you not be? Like he's just so good on the ice, and he's such a good <laughs> broadcaster, and he just he does such good things for the community. He's just an all around good guy. He's a swell guy to boot, yes, with all that being said. So with that being said, we will come back and chat with Scott Hamilton, Olympic gold medalist. We will do that next here on the Predators Official Podcast. Predators Official Podcast rolling right along, and as promised, Darren McFarland, Kerry Hammer here with you. We said we were going to catch up with Scott Hamilton, and man, he is one busy individual, but he has been nice enough. <laughs> to carve out a few minutes with us here on the POP, and he now joins us. Scott, how the heck are you? I'm good. You know, I just wish there were four of me. I'd be really, really happy <laughs> if that were the case. But, yeah, we're we're getting ready for our big event on Sunday, and it's, uh, it's a lot of people. It's a lot of organization. It's like there's 30,000 moving parts, and, uh, you know, we are a very small uh, kind of volunteer-driven organization, and so it's uh, we're all hands on deck right now trying to get to the finish line on Sunday. So obviously you're talking about your event, Scott Hamilton and Friends. That'll be Sunday at Bridgestone Arena and Scott mm-hmm. Hamilton Cares Foundation. And I do want to ask you, Scott, because I've, I've talked to a lot of people over the years that put together these big events. And it's cool because it's charity and you're trying to raise money and there's a theme behind it and it's important but you're also getting big names, people that are important. They've got busy schedules and you're trying to all make that work on one day. Right. <laughs> yes. And, oh, you feel my pain. You oh, get it. Okay, Scott, I get it. You're the first one that truly gets it. No, right? I, I, yeah. and I've had these conversations. How nerve wracking is it? Because you know, 
that something at the last minute can happen, right? And somebody may have to go away, or you just you're keeping your fingers crossed that everybody who's committed, everything that's supposed to happen, happens. Yeah, it's it's sort of um, you're juggling like you know thirty balls, but among those, like one's a bowling ball, one's a ping pong ball, another one is a chainsaw, another <laughs> one is a flaming torch. You know, you're just trying not to get hit with something that'll leave a permanent mark, you know? So yeah, it's been difficult, you know, with COVID, um, you know, a lot of those artists that we would depend on, you know, I mean, a lot of people are, we really got blessed. I mean, our soundtrack this year is spectacular, yes. but it was, it was, uh, it was hard, you know, everybody's making up for two years of lost income and they're on the road or they've been on the road for a year and a half and they're taking a break. And, and so we were really fortunate to get the artists that we have. And, and I'm just thrilled with them because every song is something we've heard a million times. So that check, we're good. Um, a, a dear friend of mine that was supposed to do the show, Steve Lukather from Toto, blew out his knee. Oh, no. And so, um, you know, I was really lucky that Jason Schaff just said, yeah, I'm, I'm all in. I'll do it. So we've got a full contingent of, of our artists, singers, and, and our skaters are great. And it's post-Olympic years, so a lot of them are just starting to step into the next. And and so it's really um, getting on everybody's calendar, getting on everybody's schedule, making sure that we're not up against anything else important like a Grand Prix competition. Uh, some of our, our, our desired people, you know, you know, would maybe have a, a competition on that weekend. So we've got to be really strategic, and that's our date. That You know, the Predators give us that date, the Sunday before Thanksgiving every year. And so um, it's, you know, then we got, you know, sponsors and, you know, with this economy, you know, everybody's been having to kind of say, oh, but, you know, cancer touches all of us. And so, you know, as much as maybe everybody's 401ks are down 25%, cancer's not down 25%. So, you know, we really got to keep our heads down and get the work done. So um, we've got a high level of sponsorship again this year. We're really blessed in that. Some really phenomenal partners um, that been with us since day one. And, um, and again, it's just now it's filling up the arena. Um, you know, we didn't want to spend a lot of money on advertising because that's money that could go to research. So I'm doing as much PR as possible. And when you're up against the midterm election, all the advertising rates are higher anyway. So we just said, no, we're not going to get into that. We're, we're just going to pray that after six years, there's enough brand awareness of this event that people are going to want to line up to see it. So, um, crossing my fingers on that. We've done our ticket. Our ticket prices are very strategic to be able to pull a big crowd. So we're really hoping that Nashville shows up for us and uh, that we're able to really create a lot of resource for investment um, in the cancer research um, that we believe in will change it forever. And uh, the future of cancer can be now. I love the, by the way, the cancer theme this week, and you've got the Predators hosting the Lightning. That's the first installment of Hockey Fights Cancer Saturday night, and then your event on Sunday night. I do want to ask you, because you're right, everybody has dealt with cancer. It has touched your life in some shape, form, fashion. Uh, you know, as long as you're an adult, you've you've had that happen. Uh, you've had you've been affected by it, so it's it's a big deal. I do want to ask you how nerve wracking that first like. This event makes sense, right? Scott, what you're doing, like, yes, your background, like, this makes total sense. But that first year, not knowing, you know, how it was going to play out, how nerve-wracking was the first one? Oh, the first one was, uh, you know, it's just the first one was a long time ago. I've been producing these shows. I did 18 of them in Cleveland, three in Knoxville, and this is my sixth one in in Nashville. you know, we, we cut our teeth in Cleveland. We really learned how to do it in Cleveland. And I assembled a team that knows how to get it. But um, I don't know if you remember, but but years one, two, and three, I had Cheryl Crow. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, when you've got Cheryl Crow <laughs> uh, and, you know, she's a cancer survivor and we're, you know, she's like, um, she calls herself my sister wife, right? So, you know, she's a, she's a dear friend. And, and she, you know, I said, so this is, you know, is for as long as you want to do it, this is our event. And so first three years, she was all in and, and she even uh, hosted for year four because, you know, again, 
a busy, 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 busy lady. And, you know, she's got a lot of career going on. So, um, you know, year five and six, you know, I just sort of said, you know, let's take it. You know, you can, you can do it. It's all right. But year one, um, was extraordinary. I mean, we had Cheryl, you know, and, and she brought in a lot of really cool friends and, um, it, it was a really wonderful night. And, and, um, again, a lot of people in Nashville did not know what to expect. And, and in that, you know, you, you really hope you're still able to fill the, the seats, but now, um, people have seen it and they know that it's sensory overload. They know that um, it's an evening like no other. They know that this is the only night this show will ever be performed ever. They know that it's not televised. They know that we turn Bridgestone Arena into a theater. Um, they know that um, there's always a, a few surprises that, that we present in the night. This year's no different. Um, it's really beautifully produced. Um, I've got a lot of really great partners um, in town that, you know, lend us equipment or give us, you know, donate equipment so we don't have to pay for it. And, um, it's really extraordinary. You know, we're introducing spoken cinema this year, which is a really cool, um, entity. People are going to be blown away by that. And, um, so we, we, there's, it's just a lot of moving parts and we meet a lot and we talk about it, but as far as the nerve wracking part of it, that happened, I think, probably the first five or six, and this is number 27. <laughs> so we know what we're doing. We definitely know what we're doing. Well, Scott, you talk about Nashville and how everything is so new down here. You're, you're, uh, you're a man that wears many hats, and we know that you're highly involved at the uh, Ford Ice Centers, and you got that started in Antioch and Bellevue with the Learn to Skate. We talk about how much the game of hockey has grown, but how much in general has skating grown here in the city? Well, it's it's done really well. The Learn to Skate especially has done extremely well. Um, you know, we're, we're poised for that growth into the figure skating program. We've got a phenomenal staff of coaches. And, um, you know, we have all these skaters getting into Learn to Skate. We're hoping that a lot of them will say, I want to be a figure skater. And we had um, really quick a story from last year. We did the, uh, you know, the Scott Hamilton Friends last year, and there was a little girl in the audience that saw the overcomers. We call them the overcomers. It's it's our Skate to Eliminate Cancer Skaters, their big production. And she goes, I want to do that next year. And so she got her to learn to skate, and then she signed up, and she's in the top 10 uh, fundraisers. And she had the most people donating to her particular page. Uh, one of them was CeCe Winans. So she's in the show this year after seeing it last year. And that's it. You know, when you, when you've got these young kids and they see the predators on the ice, they go, Oh, I want to do that. I want to, that looks like fun. That looks like, you know, it'd be so cool to be able to be a hockey player like that. And then they get on the ice. So I learn to skate and they can decide whether, whatever they want to do with it, or if they want to go into um, speed skating or synchro skating or hockey skating or figure skating. And, we have the staff to be able to see somebody all the way through. And that's the really cool thing that we're not limited at all. So I'm really excited to see how the figure skating program continues to grow. And um, just that there's so many young skaters um, in Nashville and there's so many people moving here from other parts of the country that I know that we're uniquely poised to be able to uh, create a figure skating program like no other. How similar or different is learning to figure skate versus learning to skate as a hockey player? Well, I, I always, I, I try to tell people, they don't always listen <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, you wouldn't put your, your kid in soccer if you didn't know how to run. Right. You know, <laughs> so I really try to encourage parents, if you're going to put your child or your young, you know, whatever your adolescent, into hockey, get them into figure, get them into the learn to skate first. And we have hockey, we have figure, we have all the different um, modalities for that. But the main thing is if you start on figure skates, they're flatter, they've got the toe picks, they're easier to move around in. And so you'll, you'll advance quicker. And then in, when you get to a certain level of, of proficiency, you just transition over to hockey skates in one day and then you just get stronger and stronger. So, you know, it's, it's that whole idea of how do I get there as fast as I can get there and how do I get good as, as quickly as possible? And, um, you know, it's, 
it's so tempting just to put a stick in somebody's hand and put, throw skates on them and go, have fun, go out there, have fun. <laughs> it's like, and I've seen that. I've seen a lot of parents do that. And they're like, How, how's it going? And they go, well, he doesn't know how to stop. <laughs> well, that's, that's kind of a problem. <laughs> You know, send him over to us. And so there was one dad in particular, he said, you know, he said, I might get, he doesn't want to stop. And he really has a hard time turning right. He can turn left. Okay. But not right. And I go, send him over to us. And so um, on that very next Tuesday from the house league, this young boy was in our hockey learning skate and he had the biggest smile on his face. Cause he was learning stuff that he, he'd never even like understood that that's even possible on skates. And he's learning how to stop both ways and, He's turning and he's skating backwards and his face was just like on fire. He's like, I'm going to be so much better next week than I was this week, just because I know stuff. Right. So, you know, it, it's, it's like anything else. If you want to play piano, you learn scales. If you want to, you know, it, there's always that progression and, and our learner skate is, is really good. And, you know, it's not bragging if it's true, right. It's really good. And it's, it's beautifully managed and it's um, really um, we took our time building it so that it was really customer centered. And um, I'm really excited to see kind of where those first steps that these skaters take, where they take them in their long journey on the ice. And whether it's hockey or figure skating or speed or synchro or whatever it is, it's going to be really fun to see that the programs grow. Kara, I can vouch for what Scott just said. I don't have him to thank. I have him to blame. Learn to skate <laughs> taught my son how to skate circles around me. So now I'm embarrassed to skate because he grew up in Scott's learn to skate and now well, he can we run circles around too. me. Well, I we know, but it's, I think I'm, it's too late, Scott. I, I can't. No, it's never too late. No, it's never too late. <laughs> I'm just afraid. That was my next question. Is there an age limit? Can, can we still get Darren out to learn to skate? We've had, we've had people in their late seventies come to oh, us. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So no, it's, it's all about, you know, right now you got big muscles, right? You know, you see those big muscles, you feel them, you know, that you know, you're strong, right? It's the thing with skating is there's little tiny muscles that support the big muscles, especially when you move and it's igniting those little muscles to coordinate them, to work with the big muscles that allow you to kind of build that, uh, predictability, you know, not, it's not all sliding all over the place. It's like, no, I got my I know where I am on my blade. I know where I am in my core. I know where I am in my balance. And now I just use those little muscles to push the big muscles. And, and it's really just, again, introducing it. And just it's all about repetition. And if you get on the ice probably two or three times a week, or, you know, or even once a week for learn to skate for a while and then just practice a little bit, you, you'd be shocked at how you'll pick it up and quickly. What did you know that's the path you wanted to take? Uh, I was really sick as a kid. And so they took me to the rink on a Saturday morning to give my parents a morning off. And I was really sick. And so um, I spent four years in and out of hospitals, mostly in. And and uh, they just, again, they brand new rink at Bowling Green State University. And I got on the ice and I realized that I was on equal footing to all the well kids. And um, I just, I, I picked it up really quick. Mm -hmm. And after several weeks, I realized I could skate as well as the best athletes in my grade. And I just, I, I'm, this is it for me. I, I never want to do anything else. And miraculously, I got well. Mm -hmm. You know, all those four years of in and out of hospitals didn't do much, but getting on the ice turned everything around for me. So it was kind of miraculous. Um, but at the same time, it was one of those things where I had my first taste of self-esteem and I wanted more and more and more and more. <laughs> to the tune of four consecutive U.S. championships, four consecutive world championships, a gold medal in the 84 Olympics. I'm sure that never gets old, right? Hearing all of that. I mean, those accomplishments. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's cool. But that came out of a mountain of losing and a mountain <laughs> of failing. You know, it's like every everybody, you know, it's great that I get to talk about the good stuff. Right. You know, and, and a lot of the... Um, a lot of the speeches I give, you know, corporate speeches, whatever, you know, uh, motivational, inspirational, uh, you know, I talk about, you know, kind of what went into it. And, and it's funny how a lot of people have no idea just how much failure goes into success, you know, and, and I, you know, I fell five times in my first U.S. nationals on the novice level in front of 17,500 people. <laughs> how do you get over that? Um, you know, and it's just, you learn and you grow and you learn, and you grow. And by the time I got to 
um, 81, uh, the end of the 80 season into the 81 season, I was really, you know, I, I learned that the greatest strength is lack of weakness. And I was really just chipping out at those weaknesses one at a time. And, and I, I, my timing was perfect for those four years. You know, I, if I would have been four years later, maybe not so much, you know, but those four years, I, I was uniquely uh, positioned to do extremely well. And, and, um, and it was miraculous to getting through those, that those four us four world and the Olympic gold medal was just, it's like still to this day, surreal that that actually happened. You know, you laughed, me. you laughed Scott, but it, I'm sure you weren't laughing when those things happen, that's got to be the, what is that feeling like when you do Because all those eyeballs are on you. <laughs> There's no distractions. Well, the, the first, my first worlds, I'm standing on the podium as the world champion. And I'm thinking this is the lowest place in my sports history. If, if I'm standing here, man, this is that sports never been worse or lower or in, in worse shape. And, and, and I just freaked out. I thought, man, I got to live up to this thing. And, and I just, I, it was, it was really, my coach treated me in a really with kit gloves, right. To um, kind of see me through that freak out of that first taste of big success. And then the second year I went, I, you know, I went first defense, right. I was a uh, second world title. I'm standing on the podium and it's two different guys standing next to me on each side. And it's like, Oh, I'm competing against guys just like me. Okay, this changes everything, right? So now I'm not competing against the history of the sport or every sentient being on the planet Earth. I'm really competing against guys like me in this period of, this period of time where, you know, I just got to keep an eye on the horizon, see who's coming up behind me. But my job is to stay on top for the next four years, and it's just against these guys. And, and it was remarkable that the shift in that was um, – allowed me to kind of take the ice every single day with, in, instead of freaking out and not feeling worthy, it allowed me to step onto the ice with some intention and some understanding of what my responsibilities were and, and what was possible. Well, we know you have the, the 1984 Olympic gold medal. So I was uh, just, I'm listening to the audiobook boys in the boat and the, in the story starts about how the family had lost the gold medal for Joe Rance, the rower during the 1936 Olympics. So I'm curious, where is your gold medal? Do you put it? Oh, on I got rid of that now? as soon as I could. No, I got rid of it. I, and I couldn't figure it out. I honestly, I couldn't figure it out. It lived. It, you know, I think it was a couple of things that happened to me right after the Olympics. One, I went into, um, I got, you know, called into the governor of Colorado's office. And I thought it was, you know, kind of a PR thing. And it wasn't. Um, he shut the door and it was just me and him. And he talked about hometown hero syndrome. And how, you know, a really wonderful thing can happen. You could be the captain of the, or the quarterback of the football team and you throw a bomb to win the state championship and they carry you off the field on their shoulders and you expect your whole life to be that way. And he said, look, I'm just, I don't want to rain your parade and I want you to enjoy the fruits of your labor, but your life isn't always going to be this way. So just prepare yourself for that. You seem like a nice person, you know, I guess, you know, and so I, I, that was part of it. And then I went to the Paralympic banquet, right. You know, two weeks after I was done, the Paralympians come back and I was to speak at their banquet and I walk in and I'm seeing these incredible, phenomenal athletes that I'm able-bodied. They weren't, and they're able to do all the stuff that I was doing. And I just, I, I was I, I, I was offended at myself for thinking that, you know, what I did was superhuman or whatever. And it, for, it kind of allowed my Olympic gold medal to live in a brown paper bag in my underwear drawer for eight years until I could figure out a way to get rid of it. And I got rid of it finally. And, um, you know, I got inducted into the World Figure Skating Hall of Fame. And they go, would you like to have anything on display here? I go, will you please take everything, everything. <laughs> Like everything I ever won, everything. And they did. They took all of it. And they, you know, they have it there and they look after it. And and it's I, it's, I just don't want my kids to have to live under this shadow of my past stuff. So there's very little in the house. Um, you know, they, they see a little bit of it, but there's not much memorabilia here at all. It's just mainly gone. And, um, and I realized in my faith journey that um, those things can become idols and um, it prevent you from really living a full life. And I saw a lot of Olympians get stuck 
in that moment to the point where they never could get past it. And I really wanted to take on a lot of fun, cool things. And, and I was able to do that over time. Um, but I, I, I didn't want to get stuck in that moment. I wanted to launch and, and uh, build a professional career and to do really cool, innovative things on the ice. And I was able to do that and, and just keep going this way. You know, it's like, I'm going that way. There's no future in the past, right? We're going this way, you know? And, and that's kind of become my mantra now. It's like, I'm going this way. I'm, I'm going forward and I'm just ripping the rear view mirror off up, and I'm just throwing it in the back seat and I'm going that way. So um, it's been really cool to do that because it's liberating. And as much as I love to talk about those days, I'm not beholden to them. You know what I mean? Uh, it's just part of, you know, the whatever it's back there and it's fun to, you know, talk about, but I'm really just trying to move forward. We're speaking with Scott Hamilton here on the Predators official podcast. How much did competing your whole life prepare you for the battle that you, that started in 1997? There was, I mean, that, that deck about a decade, there's a lot of stuff that went on with you health wise, Scott, how much did competing your whole life maybe help you in fighting cancer and going through the things that you went through for that, like that 10 year period? Yeah, that's a really, a really great and interesting question. And I, and I'll tell you, it, it, you'll, you'll get a laugh at the answer. I never liked competing. I liked winning. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like the competing thing was like, what am I doing? Why am I putting myself through this? This is like stressful. And it's like, what if I hit a hole in the ice and wipe out? And what if I make a fool of myself? What if I lose? What if I do? That? And then, you know, I, I get through a competition successfully and I'd be like, Oh, this feels great. <laughs> and so I allowed 10 minutes of like, you know, kind of bathing in the aftermath of that victory. And I go, okay, back to work. So when I was diagnosed with cancer, of course, the fear was extraordinary. And, and I lost my mom to cancer uh, and I saw what she went through. So the fear was extraordinary. And, um, and it was, I don't know what happened. Something inside me awakened. And that fear was replaced with a sense of um, power, a clarity of mission. And it was one of those, you know, and it was like, I, I'm coachable. Like, I can do this. Like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it because I want to be right back on tour next year. I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to succumb to this. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be the best patient they ever had, you know? So in that way, the, the training on the ice and the learning and the growing and, and accepting the fact of, okay, I, this, I know what I don't know and I need to know that, right? So I'm going to be moving into this thing and I'm, I'm just going to listen and I'm going to be the best patient they ever had. And I'm going to be fully all in. And in that, I'm doing the best that I can to get my life back and to, um, you know, start all over again. Well, you talk about everything that you have uh, going on in the battle that you've won. What, what else are you working on? What is Scott Hamilton up to these days? Well, I've got um, one one son launched, and then I'm trying to get the other three out <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love my kids. Um, I, you know, it's it's family. It's um, by the way, I like the way you the, use the word launched, Scott. <laughs> yeah, it's like boing. It's like there they go. No, it's like you know we're stewards of these kids, and we just you know we we. Uh, prepare them and then we present them. Right. And, uh, you know, it's those, those teenage years are, are challenging. And I, I really, it was funny because when I started a family, my first son was born, I said, okay, it's time for me to get off the road. Cause I don't want to miss any of this. I want to, I want to be there for all of it. And I was, I saw his first steps and I heard his first words. And, and it was the same with my second, uh, birth son. I, you know, I was there, throughout. I got to see the magic and I got to be a part and I got to help Tracy and we were partnered in all of it. And then we adopted those two kids from Haiti and we love them, love them, love them. And it, and it's just sort of kind of breaking down that all the imprinting they had early in life and in the orphanage and bringing them into, and again, preparing them to present them um, into their, their own uh, individual lives. And so it's very intentional and it takes, it's a lot of work. And I still, you know, I have to keep the home fires burning. So I, you know, I travel to speak and, and everything I do with the volunteer, everything I do with cares and everything I do with um, the predators, I do as a volunteer. Basically, I, I don't really want any income off of it. Nothing. I just, it's the right thing to do. 
um, because I've been blessed so extraordinarily. So I, you know, for me, my home life and my speaking life, um, those are the things that, um, you know, are sort of, you know, pulling on me to, you know, kind of be the best I could be at them. Um, and as far as uh, the foundation and on the predators, I just, you know, I, I show up, you know, when I, and I do my thing and, and uh, I try to allow them to be as successful as possible. And, and again, cares, you know, we, we're a small organization staff wise, but we've got um, a, a huge level of volunteers and we collaborate with like-minded organizations that feel the same way we do about the future of cancer treatment options and, and we, how much we have to fund them and work towards them. And so, um, you know, there, you know, it's almost like at times I feel like I need to just stay out of the way. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, these are smart people. They're, you know, they know what they're doing. I'm a volunteer. Um, and I just really want the, the, the foundation to be successful. And I really want, um, for people to survive this disease better than they ever have, because I believe in the future of cancer treatment options and being in an immune response or being super targeted so that you can take care of the cancer and, and spare the patient harm. Um, that's why our cancer ribbon's upside down. So, you know, I'm busy at home with family and we got a lot of, you know, irons in the fire right now. We're trying to, you know, get this house up on the market and move, you know, to this a smaller home and kind of prepare for the next. And, and uh, it's been really extraordinary to um, just see um, how those first few steps I took out my front door in Nashville, how I got swept into the community and how, how much it's blessed me. That's one way to get the kids out of the house. Get a smaller house, Scott. That's really <laughs> that's easy. Uh, how did Make the, it less fun. <laughs> that's right. How did the relationship with the Predators start for you? Uh, it started when I bought season tickets. Uh, you know, I just, I love the Predators and um, I, I'm a huge hockey fan and I was off the road and, and uh, you know, my young son, we'd go to the games together. My wife's a huge sports fan. We'd go to the games together. Uh, she would take my, my son or, uh, or take a friend to the game. We would, uh, you know, and I just love the environment. I loved, you know, just the energy in the building. It was just really, I, I just love hockey. And um, Olympic hockey, you know, whenever I work in Olympics, I try to get at least one or two nights where I can go to see hockey games because those rivalries are so outrageous. But, you know, the energy in the building at Bridgestone is so spectacular. It's just so much fun to go. And so I just I just go. And um, and then I got uh, word that they were starting the rink systems and, uh, you know, the Fort Ice centers. And they asked if I'd help them put together a learn to skate. And so I said, absolutely. And then I called a friend of mine in Dallas. I go, Hey, how do you do a learn to skate? (laughs) (laughs) And he was nice enough to come and mentor me. And, um, we, we got staff up and running and, um, it was really funny how our first class of learn to skate in Antioch had four skaters in it. Oh, it's it's grown a little bit since then. It's, it's, it, well, it, it grew rapidly. Yes. I mean, from there and after year one, I mean, we were just almost a capacity. It was just so popular and it was so well done. And, you know, Danny Butler's done a great job and, and, uh, Paula Trujillo's done a great job. And, and on the, the hockey side, you know, we've got phenomenal coaches and, um, it's just really cool to see Corey aid. Uh, it took me, um, three and a half years of begging to get Corey to move here to run our figure skating sort of, um, our competitive program. And, um, I admire her and respect her like, you know, no one else in elite coaching and she's hardworking and she's innovative and she's very holistic in her approach. And the skaters, you know, take ownership of their, their development in a really cool way. And it allows the skaters to kind of be more solid when they take the ice for competition. So I'm really excited for Corey to see, you know, how she can continue to grow her programming. And, and, uh, it's just, it's just, uh, it's, it's remarkable, you know, just, uh, that first call, you know, you help us and it's like, sure. (laughs) And then I had to figure out how to do it. (laughs) Um, but you know, just having nationals in the building last year that picked the Olympic team, um, you know, that just started with a, a very innocent lunch with Butch Speard. And, you know, he said, if you could do anything in Nashville, what would it be? And I'd say host the 2022 Nationals. 
And he said, oh, that's first, the first big event ever held at Bridgestone Arena was the U.S. Figure Skating Championships. And that, and blah, 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 blah. he started talking. He got really excited. I go, okay, now's my time to shut up because all I can do now is throw this train off the rails. And then I got called into the principal's office. Uh, Sean Henry uh, said, hey, can you be in my office tomorrow afternoon? I go, sure. And I didn't know what it was about, but he just wanted to meet. And I, I love Sean. So I go, yeah. And I walk into the office and it's, you know, Scott Ramsey and, and I go, oh, something's up here. And they go, tell me about 2022 U.S. Figure Skating Championships. And I go, um, okay. So I told them about it. And they go, we, uh, should we do it? And I go, yeah, I think it'd be really cool. And Scott goes, well, I want to do it. And then you know, everybody goes, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do it. And so I just, and David Kell said, we can move some things to make this thing happen. It's like, okay, now I'm really going to shut up because this thing's moving really fast in the next you know, I got a call from Bob Dunlop even before that meeting saying Nashville's number one on our list of desired cities. Mm. So, um, you know, it's amazing how things can just happen because quality and, um, and, and incredible excitement has been built into the Predators uh, marketing and the way they run the team and the way that they in, impact the city and the way that they do things on a day-to-day basis. Nobody throws a party better than Nashville, Tennessee, and in that, and um, the team at Bridgestone Arena, you know, led by Sean Henry and David Kells and the whole group that, you know, the NHL All-Star Game, the NFL Draft, all those things, spectacular. Scott Ramsey and the, and the National Sports Council, amazing at what they do to present Nashville in a positive light. And a lot of that is ice-based. So, so who knows if the Predators really wanted it to be? I mean, I, of course they did. They wanted it to be huge, you know, everything they do in this town. I just don't know if they anticipated how big it was going to be and how everything that happens in Nashville just sort of emanates, you know. And it, it, it's sort of, in my mind, you know, I've, I've, I've been in a lot of hockey cities. I've been to a lot of NHL games. Um, and, you know, some of them are really good. Some of them are like, drier than dry, you know? Um, and, and, you know, I think when I see what, what they produce in the games, you know, in, in, it's like seeing how I went to the, and it's, you know, the finals in, in uh, Denver, I went to game two there and just what they created in Denver is very similar to what we have in Nashville. It's almost like, you know, what being in an entertainment center, they've really just injected life into the entire league. And, and it shows up in everything they do. Again, hosting the U.S. Figure Skating Championships, presenting the 2022 U.S. Olympic team is just a natural extension of everything else that happens in Nashville. And I, I couldn't be more proud to you know partner with them on everything I do and just to live in, in a city um, that is so extraordinary, uh, so alive, so giving, so um, eclectic and just, uh, just the greatest place to live. I mean, it's the buckle of the Bible belt. People are good here. Um, it, it's just easily the best place I've ever lived. And, um, it's just so cool that I get to do the stuff I get to do in this town with the people that I get to do it with like you and the predators and, and, uh, just all our partners at cares and, it's just been such a blessing, one I never anticipated, but one I'm so grateful for. Scott, I could have given you the heads up if you were walking into a meeting with Scott Ramsey, Butch Spirit, and Sean Henry, and David <laughs> Kells. It was happening, okay? Yeah. If you're walking into that said, meeting, all, it's happening. <laughs> all I can do now is screw this thing up. So I'm just going uh, to be quiet, and I'm just going to answer the questions very briefly so I don't talk them out of anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's end with how if people would like to be a part of this and you've done a great job of talking about how cool this is going to be on Sunday night. But if people would like to still be involved, would like to go, how can they do so? Well, I mean, tickets, I mean, tickets are available at Ticketmaster, at Bridgestone Box Office. You know, we we set our ticket prices low so that everyone can come. And, you know, we we know that. Uh, cancer affects everyone. So we want to make sure that everyone's invited and everyone feels welcome. So we're not, you know, not outrageously priced at all. They're very uh, inexpensive to get in. And, and, and the other part of it is, you know, um, through one of our board members, Chaz Corzine, they created the 1984 fund. So if people can't come to the show or if, you know, if, you know, they can join CARES 
um, in any amount of 1984, whether it be $19.84 a month or uh, $1.98 a month, whatever they want to do, they can join us and support us. Um, we've done extraordinary things in the cancer community. Uh, we're, we're changing, you know, just in our investments in, in cancer research, we're learning and, and growing and, and, um, and finding new ways of treating cancers that don't hurt the patient. So people can join us in many ways, scottcares.org if they need more information, but uh, generally the 1984 fund on a month to month basis, coming to Bridgestone on Sunday night, we basically say we're fun, we're raising money for cancer and there's a side hustle there, a benefit of you get to see something really cool, <laughs> right? So the, the first things first, we're, we're trying to change the way people are treated for cancer and save lives forever. But it, when you come, you get to see something really cool. Yeah. You know? And, and uh, yeah, and join us, you know, just join us. Um, if you're a company and, and you've been impacted by cancer, join us. We need all the sponsors we can get. We need all the people on our board. We're still growing our board. Um, there's always ways of helping us change the world forever and for the better. Five o'clock Sunday night. Bridgestone Arena, Scott Hamilton and friends. It's going to be a big, big night. Scott, we really enjoyed this. Thanks so much for giving us some minutes of your time because I know this oh. is a busy, busy week. So thanks for doing I this. I love it. No, this is good. We got to get the word out. We got to fill the house. Hey, we got to fill the house. I don't need to tell you best of luck. I know it's going to be a home run, a grand slam for sure, like always. Uh, thanks for doing this, and we'll talk to you down the road. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you. That is Scott Hamilton. Uh, We will come back. More of the Predators official podcast on the other side. That's next. Back around the Predators official podcast, Darren McFarland and Kara Hammer with you. Man, so much fun as advertised. Scott Hamilton. By the way, if you're looking for a place to hang Sunday night at 5 o'clock, head on over to Bridgestone Arena. Scott Hamilton and friends. It's going to be an unbelievable night. It's year six here in Nashville, as he told us. He's been doing it, though, for a long time. Cleveland, Knoxville, now Nashville. It's for a great cause, the Scott Hamilton Cares Foundation. And so I, if you're looking for something to do Sunday, Sunday evening, that is your thing. That was a lot of fun, as, as we knew it would be. He's yeah. great. We could, have done another, we could have done hours with Scott. He just has so much energy. Next time we'll get him on, let's ask what his secret sauce is, right? How does he have all that energy all the time? You're right. He's always like that. It's unbelievable. So Islanders, Thursday night, Lightning, Saturday night, Arizona, Monday night. Keep that in mind. Monday night. Three big home games to keep this going. And... We'll see if they can uh, keep this winning streak rolling along. Like we said at the beginning, this is where you need to stack up points with all these home games. Yeah, and don't forget, Darren, coming up at Bridgestone Arena, Hockey Fights Cancer happening this weekend. Also, uh, in lieu of uh, Scott Hamilton's night on Sunday night. So, big things happening at Bridgestone, but obviously the most important, the two points on the ice. And no doubt, and another important question that I like to ask you at the end of every POP, do you think we'll get invited back next week? Well, I hope so. Yeah. Well, I hope too. so. It's, it's, it's Thanksgiving. They're giving. So Yes, that's a good point, Kara. Thank you. Well said. <laughs> Give that's... us another week. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just keep lobbying every POP. Come on, one more week. Just one more week. Kara, thanks as always. Appreciate it. Have fun. We'll see you. We'll see you at the rink. All right. For Kara Hammer, I'm Darren McFarland. Appreciate Pat and Cook for all his work spinning the dials. And, of course, our very special guest, Scott Hamilton. Good stuff from him, and we really appreciate him. He is a busy, busy man, and we appreciate him joining us. That'll do it for another episode of the Predators Official Podcast. Remember, you can keep reaching out to us on Twitter, at Kara Hammer. It doesn't get any easier than that, at DMAC underscore Nash Sports. Tell us what you think, and uh, we always appreciate your feedback. We will see you next week.